Hey there, Amy here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to talk about what's going on around us and how you can use this episode to support you during this time of uncertainty and change. So while this episode was recorded before things started to shift, you know me, I love to batch my content. This content is still useful right now because my guest today, Jennifer Allwood, and I speak about being courageous. Now more than ever, we need to find the courage to show up for our family and our loved ones and our audience online. So I hope you find this episode insightful as we navigate these changing times together. So to support you even further, I've put together a freebie to help you work more effectively from home during these crazy times, because let's face it, many of you have been working from home for a long time, but when the kids and or the spouse come home as well, and when the world feels like it's changing by the minute, working from home just got totally flipped on its head. So in my new free resource, you'll find tips and tools for maximizing your focus, optimizing your time so you actually get more work done, and also creative ways to support your community and a mindset tweak to shift your thoughts from fear to gratitude. So head on over to the show notes for this episode to download this free resource. From my family and my team to yours, my hope is that I can help you find the silver lining and the opportunities among these uncertain times. All right, friend, let's jump into today's episode. Here's the thing. I think confidence sells, Amy, and I think we are living in a world where you can find courses on confidence, books on confidence, you know, blog posts on confidence. Everybody's talking about confidence, but I think that so many women feel like one day they're going to wake up and magically they're just going to feel confident about starting a business or, you know, going back to college or running a 5k or adopting a child, like whatever their scenario is. I think they're waiting for this magical feeling that somehow they're going to get. Nobody really knows how. And so I feel like confidence sells because we all want it. Yep. But I feel like we really need to like back the bus up and we really need to have the goal be courage because confidence comes from doing things that you're scared to do and realizing, huh, I did not die. Okay, I feel pretty confident about trying that again. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-million dollar business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, money, and time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and helps you create a life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Okay, before we get going, a quick word from our sponsor, Paleo Valley. Between running a business, being a boss, and having a busy high schooler, things get a little hectic around my house. And I don't always have time to prep the healthy snacks, especially not ones with high protein. So that's where Paleo Valley comes in. They have a bunch of awesome clean products, but I've got to rave about their beef sticks. Yeah, you heard me right. 
These beef sticks are so good. And they're sourced from small U.S. farms, and they're 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, which means no corn. And on top of that, they only use the highest quality organic spices. And like I said, they taste amazing. Cade loves them, takes them to school. Hobie brings them to the fire station, and I eat them every single day. Plus, their fermentation process creates natural occurring probiotics, which keeps your family healthy. So it doesn't get much better than that. So for 15% off your first order, head to paleovalley.com and enter Amy15 at checkout. So that's Amy15 for 15% off your first order. Okay, back to the episode. What if I told you that confidence should not be your goal? I know, right? Kind of weird for me to say that because we've all heard that we should be confident. We see it everywhere, especially on social media. Be confident. Find your confidence. Confidence is the name of the game. But what if there was a precursor to feeling confident that totally changes how we approach our business and our entire life? My guest today is going to tell you why confidence shouldn't be your goal and what should be your goal instead. Her name is Jennifer Allwood, and if you've been with me here for a while, you might remember when Jennifer came on the show and she talked about creating multiple streams of passive income in your business. Now, I know you loved that episode and you love Jennifer because that was actually one of my highest played episodes. And since it's been far too long, I'm beyond excited to have her back on the show to talk about confidence and her latest book. Now, aside from her book and aside from this topic of confidence, we're also going to be talking about how that pesky imposter syndrome that often sneaks up for all of us can go hand in hand with your so-called lack of confidence and the real way to discover your confidence and so much more. Now, a little bit about my friend and guest, Jennifer Allwood. She has helped Thousands of creative entrepreneurs grow their business by leveraging social media and the online space. She teaches people how to find freedom in their business by utilizing multiple revenue streams. And like I said, she shared more about how you can do that in episode 215. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Now, Jennifer has a top rated podcast and now she is a published author. Her new book, Fear Is Not the Boss of You, comes out on Tuesday, April 7th, but you can pre-order it now. We'll give you all the details in this episode. But let me tell you, this book is so good. I could not put it down. And I've chosen some of my most favorite chapters to talk about in this episode. So let's get to it. Hey, Jennifer, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, Amy, I am super excited. I was telling my Instagram (laughs) followers this morning, I am on with Amy Porterfield again today. What is this world? I'm so excited. What is this world is right because I'm just as excited. It's been far too long. I was excited to have you back because as you know, we've already had you on the show. I talked about that in the intro, but this conversation is going to be amazing. Now, before we start, first of all, congrats on the book. That must feel fantastic to have it almost out into the world. Okay. So yes, it does. And thank you for the congratulations. So have you ever heard Amy, like 
people who talk about um, writing a, their first book and it's like giving birth. Uh, yes. And it freaks me out, actually. Okay. So yeah, that's that. And I thought, okay, I'm sure that that's probably exactly what it feels like. No, it feels like I'm an elephant and I'm in like my (laughs) 17th month of pregnancy and there are no epidurals, nor are there any hospitals, um, but the baby's coming. (laughs) So was this hard? Was it a hard experience to write this book? It was really hard for me. I'm going to tell you why. Um, Number one, I didn't have oodles and oodles of time. Like I worked with a traditional publisher. And so, you know, if you're writing a book on your own and you're self-publishing, well, you can kind of put yourself on your own schedule. But I was working with a publisher um, and there were some, we were trying to be pretty methodical and intentional. And I know you love those words about like the release of the book. And, um, and this is not a political statement in the least. So please hear me when I say that, but because it's an election year, like we either needed to get the book out in the spring (laughs) so that we're not competing for attention during election season, which by the way, lasts like the whole stinking year, or we needed to wait until after election season and put it out next spring. And I really felt in my feeler, like this is really a, a now book. I need to get it out of me now. It, you know, the sooner the better. I'm not getting any younger. Um, so let's do it now. So with that being said, I didn't have you know a year to write the book. And then the reason it was so hard too is because I got like forty thousand words in, Amy, and I was feeling froggy. You know, yeah. I'm feeling like okay, okay. <laughs> and then I realized this is crap. I totally hate it. Oh, and I threw, oh yeah, I threw it away. Oh, <laughs> and I had I had like five weeks to go. So I got in the second or the would have been in the. Yeah, second version. And I got in like 20, 25,000 words and I'm like, this is crap too. Like I literally hate it. And so I threw it away. And so um, with six days to spare, I restarted for a fourth time. So the book that people are getting is the fourth version that I literally wrote in six days. And when I finally figured out what I really wanted to say, which I hadn't been saying in those earlier versions, like I I was dumbing some things down and I was sugarcoating things and I was making it sweet because I'm a sweet person, but it wasn't like the truth as I wanted to say it. So when I really like wrote from that position of truth and it felt like, oh crap, people are either going to love this or they're going to hate this. Then it poured out of me like hot lava and there was just no stopping it. So, okay. Um, I didn't even know we were going to go here really quickly into this, but I've got to go here. This, this, yes, this is good stuff because I want to write a book and I, I, I think you and I talked about that, that it's definitely part of one of my goals sooner than later. And I was telling Rachel Hollis the other day that I, I can't get it out of me. Like, I don't even know where to start. And she said, you have to be willing to write a really crappy first draft. And that's, you were willing to do that the first time, the second time and the third time. (laughs) Yeah. That is magic. When I started over with six days left and my editor was like, I think she was doing deep breathing again, much like when you're in the (laughs) delivery room (laughs) and she was like, Jennifer, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm just, I, it's not what I want to put out into the world. And you know, it was really important to me that I put out a something that like the thing with a book, Amy, is it's so permanent. It's not like a Facebook post where I can take it down if I realize I'm an idiot or, you know, or it's just not no longer my truth. But when you're putting a book like onto bookshelves, like that feels pretty stinking permanent. And I wanted it to be the book that I was proud of, my family was proud of. And, um, and so I just felt like, you know, with six days to go, I'm like, we are scrapping it and I'm going all in with the way that I exactly want it to be. Even if it ruffles some feathers, even if 
other people are not comfortable with it. This is what I'm comfortable putting out into the world. So once I got into that place, I felt like, oh, it was totally worth those three earlier crappy versions because I got the book. I wrote the book I wanted to. Okay. So anyone thinking about writing a book down the road, remember this conversation because I really do think it's powerful to allow yourself to start over one, two, maybe even three times. (laughs) Now I can't. So it's incredible. I did not know this. It's incredible that the book I get to read is a book that was written in six days plus three other drafts. So yeah. And I was encouraged not to really share that with people, but you know what? I feel like, and I'm going to go back actually to my publisher and tell them the reason I really want to share that is because I think that what the moral of the story is once you like really figure out what it is that you want to write about. And literally this is all stuff I knew, Amy. So it's not like, you know, I'm needing to do months and months and months of research. This was all already in me. It was just like, what angle are you going to come from? What position are you going to come from? How soft is it going to be? Is it really going to change lives? Because I was really determined not to write a book that had fluff. Like it just like that just makes me want to throw up when I think about just another fluffy book that doesn't actually change a woman's life. And I wanted it to be a life changer. And sometimes I think we need to accept the fact that if it's going to actually be a life changer, it's probably going to be a feather ruffler, too. And there's going to be a lot of people that may not like it. And that's okay because those are not your people. That I think was the big lesson I wanted to point out. I love that we're starting this episode with a huge bang because that's the part that I know is difficult for me and a lot of my listeners where we want to be nice and we want to be loved. And you're saying it it took three drafts. And by that fourth one, you're like, you know what? Love me, hate me, but here's what I've got to say. And I know it's going to make a difference for the people that need to hear it most. Yeah, you and I share a friendship with Stu McLaren. Yes. And, um, I know you guys are very good friends. He's a mentor and I'm in his mastermind. And I love it when he says, love me or hate me, but there's no money in the middle. <laughs> and it's true. And it really is true. When you really like, because, you know, it's it's hard for me sometimes to Amy because I'm an Enneagram 3 and we really want to be liked. Also on the DISC personality profile, I'm a high S. Yeah. So what really trips our trigger is, you know, we're like, um, we're like a uh, golden doodle. <laughs> like everybody love me everybody love me everybody yes. love me like it it's it's not it doesn't feel good for us to know that some of our content is polarizing or that it's ruffling feathers that doesn't feel good for a high esque on the personality profile however I really think that when it comes to writing a book, and I really do believe, as Stu's saying is true, that just kind of taking a stand for what you stand for is so important. I would rather, instead of appealing to the masses, I would really rather appeal to a segment of the mass who really needs what I have to say and the way that I had to say it. Well, you've done that, friend. You have done that. And I want to dive into one of those areas that might ruffle some feathers or just like people are going to stop in their tracks and say, wait, what? Are you sure? So in chapter six, I'm going to get really specific here. You talk about the fact that confidence is not the goal. Now, when I first read this chapter, I thought to myself, what do you mean it's not the goal? I... I talk about confidence and the fact that my audience needs and wants it all the time and how when you have confidence, you're able to do amazing things. However, when I dove into this chapter, I started to get it. So talk to me about why you're saying confidence isn't the goal. Yeah, I'll tell you the original name of that chapter was confidence is a crock of crap. <laughs> okay, I love the behind the scenes I'm getting today. And, and my, my editor's like, okay, we're going to soften that just a little bit. And I'm like, fine, fine. <laughs> and um, and so I, there were some times I had to let them, you know, help me soften. Yes. Things. But okay, here's the thing. 
I think confidence sells, Amy. And I think we are living in a world where you can find courses on confidence, books on confidence, you know, blog posts on confidence. Everybody's talking about confidence. But I think that so many women feel like one day they're going to wake up and magically they're just going to feel confident about starting a business or, you know, going back to college or running a 5K or adopting a child, like whatever their scenario is. I think they're waiting for this magical feeling that somehow they're going to get, nobody really knows how. And so I feel like confidence sells because we all want it. But I feel like we really need to like back the bus up and we really need to have the goal be courage because confidence comes from doing things that you're scared to do and realizing, huh, I did not die. Okay, (laughs) I feel pretty confident about trying that again. Like that's how we get confidence. When you imagine like um, a child and I have a whole lot of them, we've got four kiddos, we have... um, our fourth one we are in the process of adopting right now. And when you imagine, like, I didn't expect her to feel confident about going to kindergarten this year. How could she feel confident about kindergarten? She'd never been to kindergarten. She was so scared. She's new to our family. She's new to school. She's new to teachers Mm. and desks. Like, how could I look at her and tell her, be confident? I just feel like that that would be so jerky of, of me as her mother. But I just was encouraging her to be brave and to be courageous. And by a couple of days, she was so much more confident about walking into school because she realized, okay, it really wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, I, I, I did the thing. It was okay. And so I think that people want confidence, but you can't buy it. You, you, like you can't manifest it. You can't wish confidence into existence. You have to do things that are scary to you, you know, and that's what the whole book is about, doing things that are scary to you in order for confidence to be on the other side of that. So I don't know whoever was the first one. Maybe you do, Amy, because I think you're the knower of the things. But (laughs) whoever coined the phrase, like, you just need 20 seconds of insane courage. Oh, I love that. I think that is so accurate, you know, whether it's sending an email or writing a, you know, doing the the phone call that you need to do or resigning from the day job or naming a new business. Like this is not a business book, by the way, but it will help your business because I think that we're waiting for confidence and what we really need to be aiming for is courage. Okay. So I absolutely love this. And I have talked about this before and I forgot that I had talked about it where a lot of my students, they would come to me and say, Amy, I don't have confidence because I have zero proof Mm -hmm. that I can do this. Yeah. And so that's when I started to realize, oh, when you don't have proof that you can make a dollar online or a hundred thousand dollars online, then you do have to dig for courage. Now, I know you're a woman of faith. Some of my listeners are, some of my listeners are not, but I do believe that courage, whatever faith means to you, I believe it comes from faith. Having just like blind faith almost. So can you tell me how you feel about that? Like, where does courage come from then? Well, so I think courage comes from doing things that you, uh, that you feel like you're supposed to do Mm. for reasons other than yourself. So like for me, and I have a chapter in the book where I talk about this, like I don't feel courageous most of the time. So you know that I'm an introvert, Amy. We've talked about this extensively. You know that I don't love public speaking and yet I keep saying yes to <laughs> speaking on stages and I keep saying with own me. Conference. So <laughs> the courage for me to say yes to those sorts of things comes from the fact, and I talk about this in the book, there's three things for me because I think every woman needs to look at, well, what matters to me more than the fear? Because the reason we're not courageous is because we're scared, right? So what matters more to me than being scared? Well, number one, for me, it's my faith in God. As a Christian, I believe that there's things on this side of heaven that God wants me to do and expects me to do with my gifts and talents. And I don't know that my feelings of like being afraid, like play into that equation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I get to heaven someday, I don't want God go 
went, so Jen, why didn't you start that business? And me be like, well, God, because I was scared. Like, I just feel like that's <laughs> so lame, you know? So it's my faith, number one, that gives me courage. Number two, it's that I have a husband and four children who are dependent upon me. Um, not for like, I'm not talking about, you know, to put food on the table and that. I'm just meaning mom has things that I need to do, that I need to like show my children what courage looks like. You know, let me give you a good example. Um, one of our kids was recently, he did not make the baseball team. Mm. the freshman. And that was painful. He's played baseball since he was four years old. And so, you know, we were encouraging him to try out again the next year. And I'm like, come on, Noah, you can do it. Like, you know, and I'm, so I'm encouraging him encourage. Well, if I'm encouraging him encourage, that makes zero sense. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, whatever it is for you, and if you have children, or even if you don't have children, I'm sure that there are nieces and nephews or neighbors or whatever that you're trying to encourage. And so if I'm trying to encourage my kids to go out for baseball again, to sign up for, you know, student council, to do whatever, but mom has this like dream in her heart, and I'm like sucking my thumb in a corner, even if they don't visually right. see doing it, they sense emotionally that mom's doing it, which also, by the way, makes them know that mom is a hypocrite. And so how how are they going to learn courage unless I demonstrate that? And I mentioned in the book, like, you know, we outsource, um, at least I do, because my kids go to public school, somebody else is teaching them algebra, somebody else is teaching them how to drive. Um, when I send them to church, there's people, you know, helping them learn Bible scriptures and, and whatever else. I send them to driving school. They learn how to do that. But who's teaching our kids courage? Like, if it's not mom and dad, who's who's demonstrating that? And right. so that's really important to me. And the third thing that is so important to me, way more important than my fear, is a, the community of people that um, I'm showing up for. So for people who may be listening, Amy, they may not have, you know, my size audience or your size audience, but they still have some audience, even if it's just the neighbor girl or, you know, mm -hmm. the people they're in a book club with or whatever, people are always watching. And I feel like courage is really like contagious because what, and I think also like staying stuck is really contagious. And I have a whole chapter on staying stuck. Okay. So when I see other women like doing things that they're scared to do. When I watch you on stage talking about how like your weight loss um, was, you know, has affected your journey. Like when I see you demonstrate that type of courage, it makes me go, oh, heck yeah. Like if she can share that, then I should be able to share my own thing also, right? And so I think that courage is so contagious and we have people watching us all the time who need for us to like slay our own dragon so that they can slay theirs. So when I'm thinking, okay, crap, I don't really feel like, you know, having a conference or putting a book into the world or whatever it is, I remember, okay, I report to God, I have a family that needs me and I have a community that needs me too. I love this. And I want all my listeners to think of your why behind yes. the, the courage as well. Yours might look different or really similar to Jennifer's. And I would say mine looks really similar to yours for sure. But yeah. whatever it is, you've just got to spend a little time figuring out why is it so important that you do find the courage to do it, even when it's uncomfortable and awkward and super, super scary? And I love that idea that other people are watching, people that you're going to inspire because it mm -hmm. is contagious. And it is totally contagious. I yeah. back that 100%. And Amy, I think you you like math, don't you? Or did I get that? No, wrong? I'm terrible at math. Oh, you're terrible at math? Okay. <laughs> are you we'll good at math? math? Okay, it's the weirdest thing. Yes. Like when oh, I'm I was jealous. In, like, middle school, there'd be kids like doing spelling bees and stuff. And I was doing math bees. I don't understand. Oh. I love math, which is really weird considering I have a very creative brain. Yes. However, 
Um, it, I have a chapter in Fear is Not the Boss of You that says it basically just comes down to algebra. Like, remember the greater than sign? It looks like, yes. a, you know, crocodile jaw. So <laughs> for every woman, I think when you're looking at the things in your life that you're scared to do, but you feel like you want to do or you should be doing or um, you're feeling inspired to do, figuring out what's on the other side of that greater than sign. Like, they, just like four is greater than Perfect. two. Well, like, what's greater than fear for you? Figure What's that out greater than fear? Okay, this that's ex- a perfect way to say it. What's greater than fear for you? That's what's going to get you to actually take the steps to, to move forward, crazy. to do the thing. Yep. Yeah. Now, I want to go back to this topic of confidence because we talked about, we kind of skipped over confidence saying, look, you don't have to start with confidence. It's courage. Yeah. And I'm behind that 100%. But there's also some people in my audience that they... Unfortunately, I think we've all been there. They compared themselves to other people online. And it's really easy to look at someone's Instagram and think that you are less than when you forget that there's a messy middle and you have no idea what it looks like behind. Mm -hmm. However, I think some people think that some people are just born with more confidence than others. And it's like you come out of the womb and you just have the swagger to you or this confidence. And we look at, let's just even look at some of the female entrepreneurs out there. Someone could argue like they are just more confident. Even like Marie Forleo, I just got done with the B-School launch. And that woman, since I've known her, has exuded confidence. Mm -hmm. Do you think she was born with it? Or like, what's your thought there? I don't. Okay. So I don't know, Marie would love, would love to know her. Do you know her well enough, Amy? Have you guys ever had conversations? Like, because I feel like you do. Has she shared with you? Has she always been this confident? Because I think that based on a lot of circumstances that some of us just have crap handed to us growing up. Can I just go ahead and say that? Yes. (laughs) I feel like I'm just using the word crap over and over and I'm going to wash my mouth out with soap (laughs) when we're done here. But (laughs) some of us were just kind of handed some stuff that we really didn't deserve, stuff that didn't help us to feel overly confident. Some of us grew up in circumstances, I think, that affected and shook our confidence. But Mm -hmm. if I look at a woman like Marie, my guess is she's just super courageous. I'm guessing that like in the beginning, she wasn't confident at all when she started doing different things, but that she has given herself proof over and over, like evidence to herself as she's been, you know, evolving and growing into the Marie Forleo she is now that she can do things and not die. Like, you know, yes. the truth is like fear is actually like, it's a, a chemistry thing that like happens in our brains that God actually gave us to make sure we don't get like eaten by lions. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, If you're standing on the edge of a cliff, you should be scared. If you are staring into the face of a lion, like you should be scared. But we get scared about stuff like launching a course, um, stuff like writing a book, stuff like um, I talk in the book about how I've done 10 triathlons. Like those things terrify us. And the truth is they probably are not going to kill us, honestly. But like your brain can't tell the difference between what's a logical fear and what's really an illogical fear. So my guess would be that some people maybe not from birth, but from upbringing are naturally more courageous and therefore more confident just based on circumstances. And I think that there's other people that really have to fight for it. And I almost wonder, like you and I know a lot of, you know, people in this space who have really interesting backgrounds and really interesting stories. Like I'm thinking for some reason, Lewis House just popped into my brain and like some of the stuff he had to kind of claw through and go through in order to become who he is today. So I don't know that he was born with extra confidence or courage, but I think that he just keeps showing up for his own life, which is proving to himself over and over, okay, I'm not really going to die. 
and which gives him confidence in the end. Does that make sense? It does. And I love what you just said, showing up for their own life. And Mm -hmm. I know Marie enough, I cannot speak for her, but I will tell you from my gut instinct, using her as an example, she would never say that she was born with confidence or more confidence than you or me or anything like that. But she does tell the story in her book about having a mom that just came from this way of thinking that everything is figure outable, which is the name mm-hmm. of her book. But like yeah. she had a mom that said like, no, we're just going to figure it out. And you're right. Some people, yeah. when they are raised by people that are like, hey, be resourceful, figure this out. There's nothing you can't do. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. that is going to give you maybe an extra shot of courage in oh, the beginning, w- right? Where somebody else might not have that, but they can always find it down the road. Like just because you didn't can. have a mom like that doesn't mean that you can't be as amazing in your own right. A hundred percent. So I have, um, I started the book with the words being stuck sucks and they made me kind of edit that word out too, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine. So now it says being stuck stinks. Okay. And I talk about how just like courage is contagious, being stuck is contagious as well. Cause you can, every one of us knows somebody in our life who they are stuck you know, they're making no forward progress. They're bitter. They're irritated with where their life currently is. There's no joy on them. And if you know them well enough, you maybe see, you know, where they came from, their parents. And a lot of times stuck people come from stuck people who came from stuck people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I love that Marie had somebody in her life. Like, isn't it amazing? Like she had somebody who was teaching her how to figure things out, which is the thing that she is now known for. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wonder, like, I think we Who do you have in your life, Amy? Can I ask you that? I have a dad that was an insanely hard worker. So like he found his value in working really, really hard. And I know that some of my success comes from that mentality. Yeah. 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 How about you? Well, I had a grandmother who told me over and over, Jennifer, you're going to be anything you want to be. You Mm. can do anything you want to do. And literally, I was crazy enough just to believe her because, you know, the sun kind of rose and sat on grandma. Like, I adored that woman. And so, I don't know why, but I just kind of instinctively believed that to be true. But I also know that, you know, you don't have to stay stuck. Even if you were raised by stuck people, even if you were not raised in a home that handed you courage or confidence, um, Um, There are still ways that you can get around that. I think part of the battle, Amy, is figuring out why you are stuck and why you are lacking so much confidence and getting to the root of that. Um, Because getting to the root of real issues, you know, instead of just slapping a Band-Aid on it and trying to pretend and, you know, trying to be one thing on Instagram that you really are not, getting to the root of things is so, so helpful. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk to you about one of the roots of not finding the courage and then the confidence is imposter syndrome. And right. And it comes up a lot with my listeners. And I know you talk about this in the book. So Mm -hmm. how can you be courageous when you feel crippled? I mean, I'm going like, I'm talking paralyzed by imposter syndrome. So when you feel like a fraud, how the heck are you supposed to be courageous? Yeah. So, okay. Five or six years ago, my business was really starting to grow in the online space. So I had had a local painting company in Kansas City um, at that point for 12 or 13 years, but I was shifting into the online space and I was selling like DIY videos. And then people kept seeing my social media exploding and they're like, how do you have, you know, 200,000 Facebook followers? Will you teach me how to do that? And so then I was shifting into coaching and it was interesting because 
I still felt like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I can tell them how I got to 200,000 or 300,000 on Facebook, but at any moment they're going to be, be like, okay, this girl is just a little bit creative. She was good at painting and she really doesn't know what she's doing. And so my husband gave me this book that came at just the most perfect time. Um, it's called Crash the Chatterbox and it is written by a pastor. If you have people listening right now who um, are not faith-based, totally fine. You're still going to love the book because he talks about, you know, all things outside of the church. She gives Beyonce and, you know, great examples like that. So it's an amazing book. So I read this book, Amy, and he gives example after example after example in Crash the Chatterbox. And the chatterbox is what he's calling imposter syndrome about how all of these people that you see like on the Tonight Show, how like, you know, they're throwing up in the background before Mm. they go out on stage. He he has one of the biggest churches um, in the United States with like eight satellite offices or something. And I'm sure that that is an absolute wrong number. So don't (laughs) quote me on that. I don't think he's going to care. That's not the point. But anyway, Anyway, and so, but he's young. And so he started pastoring like in his twenties. And so he said, every time he would go out on a stage in front of 10,000, 20,000 people, he would hear in his head, like, who do you think you are, boy? Like, you're just a child. And so he gives like his own experience with imposter syndrome. And I remember when I read the book thinking, oh my goodness. Okay. So this guy who I follow on Instagram, who has, you know, a bajillion followers, he feels like that. And wait, you mean to tell me that that actor is literally throwing up before he's on the Tonight Show? Not once, not twice, but every time before he goes on TV. He has that same imposter syndrome. It made me feel so normal mm. because in, in my head, I thought I'm the only one that feels like a farce out here. And and in realizing that most of us have that imposter syndrome, and part of that is I think that we feel like we need to know everything and we, in order to lead people or coach people or write a book or have a podcast or whatever. And the truth is we just need to know a little bit more than the people who are right behind us. And so if we'll quit putting that pressure on ourselves to know everything about the topic, you know, that we're interested in, I think that that would really help each of us with our own imposter syndrome. Oh, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have vowed to be more open and honest with my journey because I know that when like you tell me stories of you don't want to get up on stage, like when you told me that that was not something you totally look forward to, I was like, holy cow, me neither. But I would have never guessed that of you. And right. (laughs) And the fact that you're still doing it, but I love it because you've got your whys behind it. I do have my whys. Yes. Yeah. But every time I'm on stage still for days ahead of time, I, my stomach's all in cramps and I'm thinking to myself, why do I do this? This is so dumb. This is ridiculous. Like (laughs) I I get so like worked up and every year I tell my team, we're not doing this again. This is dumb. This is why I do Facebook lives on a podcast. So I don't have to do it. You know, the face to face (laughs) stuff. And so it's so freeing. Like when, whenever I hear Amy unplugged, that's what I call it. (laughs) Amy unplugged. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for just saying your truth because it makes me feel so much more normal. Yes, yes. And I've got this bigger message in me about you can do amazing things, have a million dollar business or whatever you want to have and still be super messy on the back end, like not Mm -hmm. have it all figured out. And I think that's this idea of courage where it doesn't look super pretty, you guys, but it's still you can still move forward with the courage. So. I want to actually, in the book, you say, courage is what will make you say yes to things in spite of your feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Confidence says, I know what I'm doing. Courage says, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll try it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I love this so much. And the question that when I read this, I wanted to ask you, so how do you use courage 
to help you become confident. Because ultimately, my listeners want to be confident. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that, okay, so here's how I use courage. I just try to keep saying yes to the next right thing that God puts in front of me, honestly. So whether I feel like it or not, that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. That's my own personal journey. And so if I feel like this is something, you know, that I really want to do deep down in my heart, or I feel like God's asking me to do, then my answer has to be yes. And I talk in the book about how I'm always hopeful that I'll start feeling confident, but the truth is I'm getting ready to have another conference, Amy, and I still don't feel confident. Mm. Like I've spoke on stage in front of Chip and Joanna Gaines at, you know, in front of 2,000 people, not once, but twice I have been at speaking events where Chip and Joanna were there also. (laughs) And um, yeah, I've been at two of their things or they've been in Kansas City at two things and I was also speaking at the same event. So I got to like back in the old Periscope days. Do you remember that? Yes. I got to like interview Chip and Joanna. Let me just tell you, she is as sweet as you want her to be. She like, she like touched my hair and like what? pushed it back off of my shoulders and I pretty much died. It was like Mother Teresa touched me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I talk in the book about how like my journey in both business and because it's weird because here's the thing, Amy, we think that we can keep like business over here and life over here and compartmentalize things. But no, when God really started making me like do things that I was scared to do, it was when I was 39, I'm 48 right now. And it kept showing up in my business. And the way he did that was um, I went to my first triathlon, like just to watch, just to watch a triathlon. I had zero desire to do a triathlon. And, but I went to watch with a girlfriend of mine and somehow after watching this woman, and I talk about this in the book, um, she was in her seventies and I watched her like swim in the lake 500 meters with a snorkel. And I bawled as did everybody around me watching this woman in her seventies, because I'm thinking I would have been freaking out about my swimsuit and about my like waterproof mascara. And she's like, you know, to heck with it. She got in the, in the pond or in the lake with a snorkel and swam this whole thing. And so then that made me think, well, holy smokes, if she's in her 70s and can do a triathlon, like I was 39. And I thought, why don't I sign up for a triathlon next year for my 40th birthday? Because it was on my 40th birthday weekend. And then I remembered, oh, crap, I can't swim. Oh, yeah, that presents a little bit of a problem when you're 39 (laughs) and can't swim. So I talk in the book about how in the last, you know, eight, nine years, I've done 10 triathlons. Jeez. I know. And the Today Show even came out and covered it, which is really cool. Except I was in spandex on the Today Show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That takes a you. lot of courage in my world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm still <laughs> scarred from it. But uh, but it was amazing because they were doing this like segment on how women are celebrating turning 40 in a different way than they used to, which was like by going to Vegas and things. And now we've got women like me who are doing something, you know, weird, like we're doing our first triathlon and learning how to swim. So anyway, I talk in the book about how I've done 10 triathlons. And by the way, I have not died. And yeah. And I was hoping I would start feeling super duper confident about my swimming. But literally, I had to take a year of swimming lessons to even do my first one. And Amy, I've had a panic attack on all 10 triathlons. Like in the water, I either if I, if it's a pool one, I've done a couple of ones that are in a pool, I have to stop and like hold on to the you know side or the thing that divides the water in the lanes. If it's out in a lake, I've had to stop almost every single one on like one of the lifeguards buoys and like try to get my breathing under yeah. control. I've had a panic attack on 10 triathlons. But here's the deal. So I'm still not confident about my swimming. I still stink at swimming. But guess what? I'm confident that I'm not going to die. And I'm confident that I just did, you know, 10 of them. And if I sign up for one this summer, which I'm kind of considering again, um, I skipped last summer so I could write the book. I'm confident that I'm not going to die. I'm confident that I'm going to make it out alive, but I'm still not a confident swimmer. Does that make sense? Okay. Sometimes I think we're putting our confidence in the wrong thing. Yes. 
Okay, that's kind of a big aha. I I have not thought about it this way. So when I said like the ultimate end goal, though, <laughs> that's really funny. I asked you just a minute ago, but the goal is to be confident, right? And right. I started this episode by <laughs> you telling us in chapter six, that is not the goal. So I kind of got mixed up there. But then this just shows you how much it's ingrained in me that confident, 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 where yeah. you're saying you might not ever be totally confident in anything mm-hmm. that you want really bad. It might yes. show up very differently for you about what confidence looks like, but you're just saying, get into action. I'm just do the, the thing. Game. Get yes. in the game. I mean, for so many of your listeners, um, you have an audience like mine of business owners. And so many of them, you know, they're wanting to launch a course. Maybe they already did, Amy. Maybe it was horrible. They they only had 10 people sign up instead of the 100 they were waiting for. Well, so maybe you're not real confident about launching that again, but have enough courage to do it. Maybe the next time you get 20, which still isn't, like you're not confident about the results you're going to get, but at least be confident enough to know, okay, I've tried this. I'm going to try it again. I did not die. Like, I think sometimes we need to figure out, you know, what are we confident in? Because some of that is, I'm confident that I can keep at this point, like in my business, I know that even if I have a launch, let's say that just absolutely bombs, I'm confident enough that about what I've done thus far in business to be like, okay, but I'll still be able to figure out something that I can put out into the world. It may not be this thing that's really, really great, but I'm going to figure out something. And I think that that's like confidence in how God's shown up for me in the past. That's me being confident that I've tried a lot of things and I figured out maybe a million of them that don't work. Eventually something's got to work, right? Um, I'm confident in the fact that, you know, you've proven time and time again that people want courses and maybe it's just a matter of positioning. Like, I think it's figuring out what is it that you really want to be confident about? I'm still not a confident swimmer, but I'm confident I'm not going to die when I swim. They're two totally different things. Yes. And that makes perfect sense for me. I feel like we could talk about this book for hours and just scratch the surface. And I have so many more questions for you, but I also don't want to give it all away. I think people need to hear the these stories and exercises and approaches in your own words from the book. And two things. One, you did read your own book, right? I did. And guess what? What? I loved it. Oh, good. Because <laughs> like, like I- in a weirdo kind of way, Amy, <laughs> like if I ever fail as a business coach, like <laughs> I think I have a second job as like a speakover person. I'm not even exaggerating. I so love they, it. they booked me like two and a half days to do my audio book. And girl, I got in there and it was like something took over my mouth. And really? I really... I loved it. We only needed two days. And like on the first day, I'm like, let's do another chapter. And, you know, there's like, you're in like a booth, which is kind of like a stand-up coffin with windows. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's got to be airtight and all that jazz. And um, so the guy on the other side, Chase, you know, young little 20-something. He was so sweet and so kind, amazing. And so I'm talking I'm talking to Chase through the thing. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Chase, let's do another fun. He's like, no, I think you've pushed hard enough for today. I'm like, but seriously, I'm having so much fun. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, I didn't even need the full time to record the audiobook. I loved it. It was my jam. And so, yeah, I, I did the audio version. Okay. I'm so excited about that. I have the book, but I'm going to definitely listen to it as well because, you know, I'm obsessed with Audible. Yes, so, thanks. okay. So where can people find this book? Okay. So if you go to Amazon... The book comes out April the 7th. It's called Fear is Not the Boss of You. So you can just look up Fear is Not the Boss of You. You can look up Jennifer Allwood. But if you pre-order on Amazon, you don't actually pay for it until April 7th when it comes out. 
And the cool thing, um, just to tuck in your brain, Amy, for when you launch your own book, I'm yeah. just speaking that over you, is that <laughs> Amazon, um, the cool thing about doing a pre-order is they will give you the lowest price. So if like it says $25 today, but it goes down to 20 tomorrow, which it does really fluctuate a lot on Amazon, they'll charge you the lowest price. I didn't know on that. The day it comes out, right? So mm-hmm. go get your pre-order. That would be awesome. And if you pre-order too, we have like some special bonuses for people who do oh. that. So, um, or you can go to jenniferallwood.com slash book. Or fear is not the boss of you. If you just click in fear is not the boss of you about anywhere, my book should come up. Okay. I love freebies when you pre-order the book and then there's some extras. So they'll find about all all the details about that if they go to your website. They will. Yeah. We've got some bonuses for people that order one for them and one for a friend. Fun. Uh, Because I'm really like the way that books get into the hands of like Targets and Walmarts and Sam's Club is a lot of that is based on pre-orders. This is just for anybody in your audience who is wanting to write. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. So as many pre-orders as you can possibly get. So we're literally, I'm just being ballsy and I'm just asking people, would you order one for you and order one for a friend? Like number one, I think it's life-changing. And number two, it's really helpful to me. But we also have some special bonuses for people that want to use it for a Bible study or for a book study or for, you know, a girl's um, group that they have. And so if you order 10 or more, there's some even more special bonuses for you. And that's all at jenniferallwood.com slash book. Perfect. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, guys. So I'll get, I'll make sure I get that to you as well. Jennifer, this has been so much fun. I love the topic of confidence and courage and imposter syndrome. I think we should be talking about it even more so. You get into all the details in the book and then some. Remember, guys, if you're feeling stuck, that is also a big part of this book. So you have to get your hands on it. Fear is not the boss of you. Jennifer, congratulations on a beautiful book. I can't wait till my listeners read it. You are awesome. I appreciate you and your support and just what you're doing. You know, you're, you're slaying your own dragons and those of us (laughs) that are coming up behind you, we're watching. And I just appreciate that about you. So thank you. Thank you, friend. Talk to you soon. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this great conversation that I got to have with Jennifer. And let me tell you, there is so much more to share around confidence and courage and being stuck and doing big things that you know you are meant to do. So go grab her book. You are going to love every minute of it. All right. I can't wait to see you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.